is true. If I live the word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. I got that one memorized, honey. Now let's make our new confession. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Can we say amen? You can be seated. Good to see all of you in the house of the Lord. Good to see Carl and Vonda. Oh, Vonda's not here. Just Carl? Good to see Carl here tonight. I know Vonda has been getting the healing back there. and My wife is going to go over and uh, play the bongos or something. The, all the kids have bongos over there tonight. and They're excited and they're going to be telling you all sorts of stories about playing the bongos. They're going to have a great time. But it's good to see all of you here tonight. I didn't really have a, a, a joke or anything funny to start the service with, but I did think about this. I like true stories and things that actually happen versus making up a joke or something, but my uh, my grandson uh, Carter was over cutting the grass. He cuts our grass once a week and saving up his money for school and everything, and Carter has a somewhat reputation of, uh, Joey, would you say being a little forgetful? Um, maybe uh, a very smart kid, uh, loves to read and very smart, but uh, just forgetting things is probably not that big a deal to him because he seems to do it a lot. And, uh, and so the other day I got a call from, from him. Uh, he said, Pop, you got a, another set of keys to that Buick uh, uh, car that you gave me? I, uh, I, I said, did you lock them in there? He said, no, I just don't know where they are. And so he couldn't find his car keys. So long story short, from that standpoint, Joey and Carter ended up going to the dealership because it's one of those special keys, now 40 bucks, 45 bucks. And then they knew that they needed to get two of them. So now they're up to almost $100. So Carter cuts the grass. And he gets ready to leave, and he comes in, and he says, Pop, uh, did you take my car keys? Now, everything uh, is not as it seems sometimes. The perception is not exactly correct. So he said, did you, did you take my car keys? And I said, no, Carter. And he said, well, they were right there on the table, I thought. And I said, no, I didn't take them. And he said, well, I don't know where they are. So he's out looking in the grass and looking in the driveway and looking in the gutter around his car. And my perception is... <laughs> He did it again, and he comes back in. He says, you sure you didn't take my keys? I said, no, I didn't take your keys, Carter. And so he's looking around. What, what he's really, I'm, I, this is my perception. He's grasping for straws, and he wants to blame it on me. And so all of a sudden, I got to thinking, well, I did pick up some keys off the desk and put them in my car. And now he's sweating. He is, I can just see his face. And part of me is like, well, you shouldn't forget things like that. You know, that's my perception, thinking that he's messed up again and being forgetful. And so I went out and looked in my car, and the, the tag to my car from the dealership is identical to his. And I had taken his keys. I want to tell you, when I went out in that driveway and said, hey, Carter, he was rejoicing <laughs> because he was sweating bullets. All he could think of was calling his dad, I'm sure, and say, Dad, I can't find my keys. But Pop messed up, so it was my fault. But we'll, we'll joke about that for a long time now. But I thank God that it was my fault in that particular case. But, you know, 
it's so important in this day and age that we live in that you're tuned in to the Holy Spirit. And, and the message tonight, if you have your Bible, you can turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Nothing takes God off guard. And, and we need to understand this. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3. But uh, we're going to be talking about the tremendous power of unity. As a matter of fact, let's all say that. The tremendous power of unity. Nothing takes God off guard. God knows everything. God knew about that hurricane. God knew about natural disasters that are coming. God knows about the end times. God knows what we're going to experience. God knows how we're going to get through it. God's going to bring us through it. God's going to take care of us. But God knows everything. And what we have to do is to make sure that we know what God wants us to know and that through the power of unity, we will experience that. And what you have to be careful of is, is living in a world today where we think what we really need to do is all come together and be one and be one big happy family. Folks, that's a great objective, but it doesn't line up with Scripture. It doesn't line up with what God said is going to happen as we go into the end times. Should we pray for peace? Should we pray for all of us to be one and united? Yes, yes, and yes. Everybody say yes. yes. But that is not our objective to be in unity with one another. And if you don't understand this, you'll be frustrated in life. There are a lot of people who they, they would want us all to be united and all to see things the same way. That just ain't going to happen because God told us about it. God told us exactly what's going to happen as we approach the end times. And in Ephesians chapter three, uh, chapter 4, we're going to read about it in just a moment here. Well, we'll read about it right now. It says that we always endeavor to keep the unity of the Holy Spirit in the bond of peace. What are we endeavoring to do? To keep the unity of the Holy Spirit in the bond of peace. How many of you realize there are some people you just can't seem to get in unity with because of who they are, where they are, and what they believe, and the way their direction. So what we do is we strive to be in unity with the Holy Spirit. I read this in a book years ago, and I thought it was kind of interesting. It took place during the Civil War. Somebody came to President Lincoln and said, do you believe that God is on our side? And Abraham Lincoln, with the wisdom that he just seemed to be given by God, said, that's not the important question. The important question is, are we on God's side? And I believe that's the important question today. Are we on God's side? If you are being led by the Holy Spirit, you are on God's side, and God's going to take care of you. But if you're not being led by the Holy Spirit, you can try to get things done yourself and even appropriate the Word of God. But if you're not being led by the Holy Spirit, you're really not on God's side, and you're not going to see the power of God working. How many of you realize you can reach into the Bible and take a scripture and try to apply it to whatever you want? only to find out that was not God's will for your life. And so what we've got to do is understand how important it is that we 
move to keep the unity of the Spirit. Psalms 133 talks about how blessed it is to be in unity with the Spirit of the living God. Now, my life, I did not understand how important the power of the Holy Spirit was in being in unity with the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 4.3, it says that we always endeavor to keep the unity of the Holy Spirit. In the very beginning, I was trying to keep unity with everyone that I was with, thinking that they wanted what I had. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And, and they, they didn't seem to really want what I had, and that life was fr- frustrating until I realized that that unity, always endeavor to keep the unity of the Holy Spirit, does not mean that we're just seeking to keep unity with one another. We're keeping unity with the Holy Spirit, and as we all do that, we do become one, one with another, in keeping the unity of the Holy Spirit. When Pam and I first got married, there were times in our life when we were trying to keep unity, but we didn't see things the same way. Can I see the hands of all the people that are married? You just don't always see things the same way as your mate sees them. We were in Tulsa at at a a, a Kenneth and Gloria Copeland were sharing years, and this was back in 1989, I think, or 1990, and we're sitting there. And Kenneth and Gloria are talking about how in the beginning of their ministry for the first three or four years, uh, they just had tremendous arguments and they disagreed and they kind of had fights back and forth and stuff like that. And I'm sitting there with Pam thinking, this is, this is our second or third year of marriage and this sounds like what we are going through right here in some areas of our life. And, uh, and when, I, when I saw, I heard them, it was like, wow. And, and she said, this is how Ken and I finally got it all together. We realized that the Holy Spirit would always speak the same thing to each of us if we'd leave the other person alone and let them hear from the Holy Spirit. But two people don't always hear from the Holy Spirit at the same time. How many of you found that to be true? And that sometimes we try to jam somebody into how we think or they are uh, getting us. And what we do is, is we miss the unity of the Spirit. The only person that can determine you walking in the unity with the Holy Spirit is you. Turn to your neighbor and say, You're, it's all you. Yeah, in other words, you are the one, but you can't make somebody else do, feel, or know what you know regarding what the Holy Spirit has shown you. But if you know what the Holy Spirit has shown you, then that's what you're responsible for. And that's why it's so important that we walk with that unity of the Holy Spirit, always endeavoring to keep that unity. Amos 3.3 says, how can two walk together lest they be in agreement? That's referring to walking with God. We're living in a sight, sound, and technological uh, country today, and really world, where everybody is busy doing everything. The other night, Pam and I got away to, uh, uh, to go up to the sportsman up at the lake. And I'm just sitting there, just, you know, doing nothing, and, and she gets a text, and so she's on a text answering the text, and then I get a text. I usually don't even take my phone when I go to eat, and, and then I get a text, and I'm texting, and then she's texting, and I'm texting, and we're planning to have a romantic night of just sitting there having a, a meal and just talking to one another, and we're sitting there texting. Now, I've been out before, 
And I've seen people doing that at tables, and I think, well, how silly is that? Just to go out on a night, and all you're doing is sitting there reading your cell phone or reading your Facebook and doing all that kind of stuff. And we're doing the very same thing ourselves sitting there and thinking this is kind of silly. But what happens is when you are busy, we all have 24 hours a day. I don't know how much you sleep. I sleep about eight, nine hours a day, longer than that if Pamela let me. But eight or nine hours is pretty, pretty normal for me. But, you know, when you figure out what you do with your work, what you do with your sleep, what you do with everything else, pretty soon you find out that there's how much time is there to really be led and find out what the Holy Spirit has for you, what the Holy Spirit wants you to have. It has been God's will from the very beginning that he would live with his creation and that he would live with us. And when we understand that, then you understand the importance of making sure that you know exactly what the Holy Spirit is telling you. So tell your neighbor, we've got to know what the Holy Spirit is saying. Now we're going to look here in, in John chapter 15, verse 7, a familiar scripture to all of you, I know, but concerning the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Uh, th this is a little humorous, but Pam and I were, I love to observe people in general, and uh, Pam and I, or Pam, Pam, yeah, Pam was with me. We were doing premarital counseling to a couple, and we were talking to them about unity of the Spirit and things of this nature, and it was, and it was going really well, and they flunked my marriage test. I said, you know, why are you getting married? And she said, oh, he's just the most handsome guy I've ever met, and he's just wonderful, and he treats me great. And I said, and, and why are you marrying her? Oh, she's beautiful. She's everything I've ever wanted. I said, you both just flunked the test. How did I flunk the test? And I said, the reason you get married is because the Holy Spirit tells you this is the person that you're to be married to for the rest of your life. And, uh, and the, we know we laughed about it, but I, w I wasn't being silly. I was serious that, about that. Don't marry anybody unless God tells you to marry him. And uh, now, if you're married, you are married to the one God wants you married to, okay? <laughs> I was to go home tonight and said, Pastor said I can leave. No, 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 no. You are married to the right one. You are married to the right one. But, but we're sitting there, and, and it's, it's kind of cute. But, but it was awkward. It was, it's cute now, but it was awkward then. I said, uh, I said uh, how many children are you going to have? And the guy and the girl, his fiance, answered at the same time. She said, one. He said, four. <laughs> and they just looked at one another, and she said, I'm not having four. And he said, but I want four. She said, you're a brother, and you had four in your family. I don't want four. And, and, and for a moment, it was really interesting. It's like, wow, we may call this thing off right off the bat. But what I wondered was, how could you get that far along in marriage and not have a discussion about it? And one sees it one way, and one sees it the other way. Well, when you're led by the Holy Spirit, you take time to consult God because God has always, always wanted to be one with us. Tell your neighbor, God wants to be one with you. And I know the things that God has shown me are at least the things that I believe and attribute to God that he has shown me. And that he wants to bring them to pass. And that he has the power to do that. He has power that we don't have. A lot of people in the Word of Faith movement think that we have power to do anything. We have the power of the Holy Spirit to do whatever God tells us to do. We are under command. Everybody say, we are under command. And that it's the Holy Spirit 
flowing through us that is the power force. And that if we're doing what God has called us to do, we have the power and the authority and the dominion to do that. And in John chapter 15, verse 7 and 8, you hear this scripture a lot in this church. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you ask whatever you desire, whatever you will, uh, and that it will be done. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Now what that's talking about is that that is, is abiding in us. If God is abiding in us, if the word of God is abiding in us, then that is exactly what we're going to have. Now the word unity and abide uh, are basically the same words. And it means to become as one. I'm skipping the outline up there, so that's why you're having trouble. It, to become as one or to become as one with God are to coil about and become as one. In other words, you become so one with God. In this case, Jesus is talking about himself, the Son of God, that you are so one with him and he in you that anything you ask is going to be what you know he wants you to do. In other words, it's going to be the leading of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the power and the fullness of the Holy Spirit is what's going to be operating in your life. We are living in a very dangerous time. How many of you believe that? Very dangerous. Now, I hear people talking all of the time about things are going to get better and everything is going to be okay and we just need to be, pray for peace for the world and all these kind of things. I don't disagree with any of that. But my reading of the book of Matthew, especially 23, 24, 25, my reading of 2 Timothy chapter 3 isn't telling me that the whole world's going to be fine. It's telling me the whole world is going the opposite direction. Now, it doesn't mean that we aren't supposed to pray and stand and believe and be led by the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit will warn us and tell us about what's getting ready to happen in the world. So therefore, we have to embrace listening to that still, small, inner voice. God has always wanted to live with us and be one with us. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, I want to read this to you, but I want to show you something that I just saw uh, just recently, and I've said it before, but I don't know that I've ever read it somewhere the way I read it when I just saw it. Now, you, you've heard this scripture a lot, and it's talking about it, it, today, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, let's go all the way back to the garden. When man sinned, he was the three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. His spirit was in oneness with God, the spirit of man in the Garden of Eden. There was no sin and that man and God were synonymous with one another, man living, God living within man. So God's will was to restore that through Jesus when he came. And so when we just read that in John chapter 15, verse 7, Jesus wants to abide in us while he was on this earth. Now he has left and he's given us the Holy Spirit. So the body, when we say this many times, the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That is a restoration of God coming into man through his spirit 
and living in us and rebirthing in us our spirit man that was dead. Every one of us had a dead spirit man before Jesus came into your life. But when you were born again, your spirit man came alive. How many of you remember uh, that, that when, you were, when you first received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you didn't necessarily knew what you had, but how many of you remember everything was different? Can you, can you remember that? Trees are different. People are different. You're different. Uh, you look in the mirror, it's different. Everything is different. What, you know, what happened? Well, yes, you were saved. That's the word we use. And yes, you're born again. That's the word we use. But what really happened? Your spirit man became alive. Just like that. Your spirit man became alive. And now your spirit man is, 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 is full of God himself, the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen to In other words, the Holy Spirit is in there right now. We're going to read it in just a second. So therefore, you are that new creation because God lives inside you through the rebirth of your spirit man and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to look at that, at what I just shared in, in line with the scripture that we're going to read right here, 1 Corinthians six nineteen. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body, and in your spirit, which are God's. So your spirit man is alive today, and the Holy Spirit lives inside your spirit man. So therefore, you have the Holy Spirit. That is exactly what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, when you read on into Acts chapter 2, it said that when they were uh, there in the upper room, that the Holy Spirit came, and, and that the Holy, that's when they, that, that everyone received the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus had to go away for us to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. Now, some people say that without praying in tongues, you can't have the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't personally believe that. I believe every single believer that is born again and received the Holy Spirit can pray in tongues. But the fact that maybe you've never manifested your prayer life does not mean you're not born again, does not mean that you haven't received the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not about to sit in front of Billy Graham and say, Billy, I don't know if you're going to make it or not, buddy, because you know, you've never prayed in tongues. I don't think I have the ability to do that, nor would I want to do that. I think that once you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your spirit man came alive, and the power of God, with you, if you listen to it, it is available to you. Tell your neighbor, you've got the power. Now, we've got the power, and if we understand how it works, then everything that we do is going to be a fight of faith from this moment on. We have all of the power that we need right now. Now, in Genesis chapter 3, Verse 1, this is where it all went wrong, and this is where a lot of people are missing it today. In Genesis chapter 3, the devil came to Eve and said, did God really say? How many of you have voices in your 
mine that go off from time to time, did God really say, maybe not a quote like that, but is this really going to work? Is this ever going to happen? Am I ever going to? Da -da 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 -da. May I see the hands of all the people I've described something like that in your life? It is the devil's favorite ploy. He does it to me constantly. And sometimes when I'm off guard and not meditating what the Holy Spirit has shown me, I'll start to entertain that thought. Not intentionally, but unintentionally, almost subliminally, I will start, oh, maybe it isn't God. Maybe he didn't really say that. It's the same thing. The devil says the same thing. Did God really say? <clears throat> when he came to Adam and Eve, he got them to submit to entertaining that thought that was contrary to the power of God. They didn't have to, but they did. Not putting them down for that, because many of us do the same thing. But we just start to listen to the voice that we shouldn't be listening to. The devil, when he came to Jesus, Jesus was sent out into the wilderness 40 days and 40 nights, and the devil came and began to tempt him. Jesus was there knowing the tempter was there and being led by the Holy Spirit because there was a test going on. God was making sure that Jesus was ready for the task that was before him. Jesus is referred to as the second Adam. The first Adam didn't make it. Second Adam was the Son of God. And he was going to make it because he was focused on the power of the Holy Spirit. And it said he had the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit leading him into the wilderness. What did Jesus have? He had the power of the Holy Spirit. What did he have when he came out of the wilderness? He had the power of the Holy Spirit because they were one and the same. But now this is the part that gets so good. And this is, we, we had a finance committee meeting the other day, and, and I just thank God for our finance committee meeting because we were talking about a few things there. And, and sometimes in my life, and I think we're all the same, sometimes in my life I know what I heard, but I don't see it. And so I stand, and I stand, and I stand, and I stand, and then I don't see it. It's like, I, I know this is kind of a silly example, but it's like this. I know what I see. Glory to God. I know what God told me, and I know what I see. No, I don't see it. I'm going to go back into hybrid. I don't see it. I read this book years ago by Dr. Paul, uh, Dr. Paul, uh, David Youngai Cho. Has the largest church in the world. I think he's retired now, but I'm not sure. Has the largest church in the world in Seoul, Korea. And he started his church from Marine Corps tent. Had about 12 people in there. God spoke to him and said, you will have the largest church in the world. And when he would preach, he didn't see the largest church in the world. He began to preach with his eyes closed. And they came up to him after the service one time and said, Cho, why do you preach with your eyes closed? He said, God has shown me that I will have the largest church in the world. When I look out in the congregation, I see one, two, three, four, five, six. So I close my eyes and I see the largest church in the world. And he ended up having the largest church in the world. See, sometimes we try to see what we believe with natural eyes instead of knowing this is the fight of faith and that the power of the Holy Spirit is showing me what I'm going to do and what I'm going to have. Therefore, the issue is settled. Turn to your neighbor and say, the issue is settled with the Holy Spirit. The only issue is not, is God on our side? The issue is, am I on God's side? 
I heard this story by Frida Lindsay. Frida Lindsay is a pow was was and still is. She's in heaven now. Powerful woman of God. Her husband uh, Gordon Lindsay, uh, Christ for the Nations, uh, impacted the still impacting the entire world. Christ for the Nations down there in Dallas, and w we took some intern students down there one year. And, and she's a feisty lady at the time. I don't know how, she was 95 or 6 when she died, but she was running Christ for the Nations right up till the end. But, uh, but she's about 85 or 90 when, when we were down there, maybe younger than that. And, and she was talking about Gordon. Said, yeah, Gordon impacted the world, and, and he did everything, and he wrote all these books. How many of you have read any books by Gordon uh, Lindsay? Ooh, we've got to get some in a bookstore. Powerful, powerful books. Charismatic movement. Uh, he was back there with Oral Robertson and the rest of them. And she was talking about all the great things he did. And then it was as if she turned and said, but he really missed God. And then she really started getting upset, talked about him, said, I told him he needed to exercise. God told him he needed to exercise. He never exercised. All he wanted to do was sit around and write books and eat chocolate. And he had a heart attack and it was his own fault. <laughs> and, and this is the lady who was talking about all these great things he did. And I turned to Pam afterwards, and I said, I said, honey, she hadn't forgiven him. <laughs> He'd been gone for about five or ten years at the time. And, and, and she said, no, it didn't sound like it. But, you know, all of us, I'm not going to ask you what it is, but you know the things that God has shown you that you're supposed to be doing. And it could be a warning that if you don't pay attention, it's going to have a very difficult effect on your life later on. And, and uh, we had a, a very dear friend of ours that died some years ago, and he had shared with his wife prior to his death that he really felt like the Lord said that he needed to slow down, he needed to slow down, and needed to change his pace. But he didn't. He was driven by good things. Turn to your neighbors, you can be driven by good things. But good things are not necessarily God's thing for you. There are a lot of people in the body of Christ trying to be driven by somebody else's message, somebody else's mantra, somebody else's saying that you need to do this, you need to do that. There was a time in Tulsa when we were out there that I would actually get confused. We'd have so many wonderful speakers that came in. And one speaker came in and said, you need to evangelize. You need to be out on the streets every day, going door to door. And then the other would come in and say, you need to be on your knees in prayer more. And you need to do this more. And the other would say, you need to pray in tongues more. And you need to do this more. And then the other would say something else more and something else more. And, and, and before you knew it, it's like all these things you were trying to do. And then finally, Billy Joe would come and say, you need to do more what God is telling you to do. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's really easy. What is God telling you to do? What is the Holy Spirit leading you to do? That is what God has for you, and that's where the power is for you. God will show you and help you to prevent calamity in your life. God will show you things. God will show you how to exercise. God will show you how to eat. God will show you how to think. God will show you everything by His Spirit if you'll yield to the Holy Spirit. My wife just came in, so I've got to be careful now. Okay. And, and <laughs> How's the bongo stuff going? Is it going good? Okay. Now, uh, now we're going to read. In, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, 
when Jesus is confronted by the devil, he's basically saying man should live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He's talking about the power of God, the word of God, the leading of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says the devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may destroy. How many of you know that there are things in your life that if you go there and meditate there long enough, they will affect every area of your life. Now, there were things that, that, that aren't usually things that aren't going right. You may or may not know what to do about them. But in my life, what I find the biggest fight of faith that I have is I know what God said, I know what I'm standing on, and I'm not seeing any inkling of any of it. Did I miss God? Where does the voice come did you miss God? Did God really say? Doesn't that sound like the original attack by the devil? Did God really say that, Eve? Did God really say that? Bill, did God really say that you'll have that building and land? Is, did he really say that to you? Now, I don't recognize that as coming from the devil. I recognize that as my own pondering sometimes. How many of you have your own pondering? You don't attribute it to the devil. You don't attribute it to anybody. You just say, gosh, did I really hear God right? I mean, it's been a long time. Uh, you know, what, what about this? What about that? Uh, am I going to have this? Am I going to have that? How many of you got similar things going on in your life? And, and, and if you go there, the devil who's trying to get you to go there and think, well, yeah, but you know, you, you, you really weren't a good father. I can't tell you how many times the devil has tried to tell me I wasn't a good father. Uh, you know, all these kind of things. And you know what? There were times in my life I'm sure I wasn't a good father. But the blood has covered that. Everybody said the power in the blood. And so what we can't do is go in directions that we know is not going to be the power of what God has for us. If we're embracing the Holy Spirit and what he's showing us, that's where the power is. And therefore, we always endeavor to keep the unity of the Holy Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, let me give you an example before we pray here. When a person says with their mind, I'm never going to make it, you're breaking unity with the Holy Spirit. I can never do this. You're breaking unity with the Holy Spirit. I'm sick and I think I'm going to die. You're breaking unity with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it's the will of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit to heal you. It's the will of the Holy Spirit for you to accomplish God's plan and purpose for your life. So therefore, what we do when we start to entertain those thoughts that come rather from the devil or whether we even generate it ourselves because of something we haven't seen. Before we know it, we break that unity of the Spirit. Sometimes we break the unity of the Holy Spirit when somebody else says, yeah, but you know, you, you, that's just really not what I think. Well, maybe I better get in unity with you. How many of you ever tried to please somebody else? You're really in trouble now. Come to think of it, that's what happened in the garden. Adam tried to please Eve. It doesn't say it like that. But Adam, I'm not putting Eve down because they're both wrong. But Adam said, hey, Adam, how about this? Gosh, what would have happened in the world if Adam said, Eve, I love you, honey, but you made a mistake. And we're going to repent before God. We're going to go to him right now. I don't know what would have happened, but I think God would have forgiven him right on the spot. But instead, fear came in and they ran away from God.
And what we've got to do is realize that our fight of faith is to embrace the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you're here tonight and you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have the power of the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your spirit man is alive and full of the Holy Spirit, which is, what is the Holy Spirit? God himself. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So where does God live? He lives in heaven, but he's omnipresent. He also lives in your spirit. And if you will tune in to that spirit and let that spirit lead and guide you, the fullness of the power of God will be working in your life. And our will should always be, as Jesus taught us to pray, not, his, not our will, but his will be done. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Let's stand to our feet because we are going to endeavor to always keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. For me, and I don't know about you, but I bet it's very similar, one of the most important things is to be quiet and to listen. And I have this scripture uh, that came to me, and I jotted it down. It's Psalms 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, and I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am the Lord. How many of you not only need to be still and more still than you are in your activities, but you need to be still in your mind? Can I see your hands? Because that's where I need to be more still. God, speak to me. Because it's a play on words with Abraham Lincoln, but it's very true to me. It's not important that I get God to do what I want him to do. What's important is that I do what God wants me to do. John Osteen shared this years ago before he went to be with the Lord. He said, I was praying one day and interceding and said, God bless this plant. God, God bless this plant. He said, I was really struggling in that area and I was praying for God to bless it. He said, John, you just need to get my plan. It's already blessed, and you won't have to pray so hard. You get a hold of my plan. My blessing is already on my plan. Would you bow your heads with me? I want to ask you before we pray for everything that God has for you, the most important question you'll ever answer, and that is, do you know if you died tonight? you would have eternity with Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're like a prodigal son, a prodigal daughter, you've walked away from the Lord. Maybe you're here and you've attended this church, but you've never really come back to the Lord. You've never really acknowledged Jesus as your Lord and Savior. God loves you. He's got a plan for your life. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand and we're going to pray for you all over this church. I see your hand over there. I see your hand way back there. Are there others you say, pray for me? I, I know my life is, is not right. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I don't even know what you're talking about, but my life isn't right. I know that, and I want it to be. Anyone else? 
both of you that lifted your hands, would you quickly come down here to the altar? All the way over there. Give them a hand as they come right here. Yeah, we can give them a bigger hand than that. Angels in heaven are rejoicing at this very moment. Come on down here, young lady. Stretch your hands out here toward these. We want to pray for all of you. We want to give you a Bible if you don't have one. Give you some information. Some of the ladies and gentlemen are going to pray for you. This is a, a day and an evening of new beginnings for you. You are here by divine appointment. And whatever you've been through, God is going to turn it around and strengthen you in that area of your life. We're glad that you're with us tonight. Let's pray this prayer together. Let this be the prayer of your heart right now. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died for my sins. I've sinned, I've made a mistake. But tonight I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to come into my heart and take control of my life. The true desire of my heart is to serve you. You know, deep within your heart, that is your desire to serve God and to fulfill His plan. Father, I pray for these at this altar. I pray that tonight is the night of new beginnings for each of them. And we thank you for the plan, the purpose. We rebuke the work of the enemy off of their life. We speak forth life into each of them now. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Sandy, Brad, come on up here with these at this altar. I want to, yeah, go ahead and give the Lord a hand. I want to pray for all of you before you leave. The most important thing in our life, right up there with all of the other important things, is that we keep the unity of the Holy Spirit in everything that we do. I remember when I first got saved, driving down 52 Highway, somebody told me about the Holy Spirit, and I was trying to think about the Holy Spirit, and and that, you know, you just have these impulses that come to you and you need to embrace them. And, and all of a sudden I think, I'm supposed to slow my car down. And I remember thinking, this is silly, but I'm playing like I'm hearing from the Holy Spirit. And I started slowing my car down. They're going about 70 miles an hour down there. And all of a sudden, out of a side road, country road, this car comes shooting across 52 right in front of me. If I'd gone the, the speed, I would have been right there with a collider. And I thought, wow, this really works. I'll give you one more story real quickly. Two men getting ready to be on an airplane. Correct me if I say this wrong. So, it was in Florida. They were from Victory. And as they got ready to get on the airplane, one of the men stopped. And he turned to his friend and he said, I'm not getting on that plane. He said, what do you mean? There's no more planes out. He said, I'm not getting on that plane. He said, why? He said, I don't know. I'm just not supposed to get on that plane. The friend said, well, I'm going. He said, I'm not. The friend went down the runway to get on the plane, or on the uh, walkway to get on the plane, and finally said, I'm going to go back with my friend. The plane crashed in the Everglades. Many people were killed. Why did those two, or that one particularly, the only person God spoke to, God may have spoken or tried to speak to everybody, but only one was listening. We'll never know 
what tragedies could not have been avoided or could have been avoided if we just tune in to the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit. No matter how dark the world becomes, my light is going to get brighter, your light is going to be brighter, and they're going to flock to us because we have the answer. Let's all say, I have the answer. Father, I pray for the power of your Holy Spirit. It's in every single person that resides in this building today that knows you as their Lord and Savior. I pray that we will stir up that gift. Just as Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, stir up the gift. You haven't been given a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Lord, I thank you that we're going to do great and mighty exploits for you because your power is doing it through us. And we give you the praise and the honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said, give the Lord a hand and be blessed.